All right. Well, good morning. How are y'all doing? Welcome to church. Yeah, one of the like few churches that's meeting in the whole world. Um, a lot, a lot has happened since we last saw you, hasn't it? This morning, uh, one of our goals, obviously, you know, as Matt and I were kind of praying through and talking to the elders, elder team about, you know, do we have church? What should we do? How should our response be? We took some time to just kind of stop and think, like, okay, hang on. Let's breathe, let's think, let's seek God, um, and kind of see what the Lord would have us to do as a church, and as a people. And I think one of the things that is very clear to our team and to us as a church is just this need to um, obviously be clear with what's, with what's happening and be safe and cautious and do those things. But at the same time, is, as a people, especially as believers, what the, what the world needs is a, is a community of people who have faith in a God who uh, is there. And is near, and it's close. And so this morning, as we sing together, as we pray together, as we we study Scripture together, uh, our prayer is that you guys would feel that peace of God that surpasses all understanding. But not only that, that you would then take that peace into the world around you. And so uh, I'll invite you guys to stand up. We'll go, we're going to go ahead and sing. Let me pray for us as we start, and uh, we'll worship together. And Father, we we come before you. Uh, gracious and thankful, God, that you have given us uh, this day. God, we know that, especially the last week has shown us that uh, we live in an illusion of security, that we often can, uh, can struggle with this idea that uh, we think we, tru- we truly think that we trust you, yet we often think we hold everything together in our own hands. And so let us come before you this morning proclaiming you as powerful as Almighty, as Lord, and as Savior. And God, thank you for giving us Jesus. As we sing this morning, may we honor and glorify you uh, together. So we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's kick off this morning by singing this doxology of the faith together with our voices. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Lord, I come, I confess, Lord, I come, and I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God. Sin runs deep, your grace is more. What grace is found is where you are. Where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me.
So teach my song to rise to you When temptation comes my way And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Oh, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I Sing this with me, Lord, we need you as a church. Lord, we need you. and take a seat. Come on, here we go. Yeah. I'm on. Just sounds weird. Well, good morning. There we go. Good morning. Hope you're doing well. Uh, we are uh, certainly in the midst of some crazy uh, times, crazy days. Um, but it's so good. It's so good to gather together. In the midst of this, I want to uh, update you about a few things that are going on in our church um, and how we're handling this stuff kind of going forward. First of all, um, just so that you know, we're, we are recording the whole service and we're going to put it out as a podcast right after the service. So uh, that will affect the way you sing and the way you pray and the way you do everything. No, it's being recorded and uh, we're going to try to use the microphone and um, not pass that around, but have that kind of pointed at you and try to record what's going on for everybody at home. So if you're listening at home, hello, uh, welcome. Uh, so a few things that we are changing or that we, that we some adjustments that we've made, certainly you've noticed this, of that uh, we're not going to do any coffee or muffins or donuts or anything like that uh, until fur- further notice. So if you need coffee, bring it. Um, feel free to bring it, but bring it, don't share it. We're also not doing child care uh, of any sort. We just don't want to mess with the shuffle of the whole thing and kind of the exposure uh, that goes with that. So until further notice, this is kind of what it'll look like. Service will be shortened up a little bit. It will be really simplified. Um, and we understand that it's going to be a little uh, shifty, right? We've got kids in here, and that's all right. We've got some crayons in the back, uh, crayons and color sheets uh, and those kind of things. Um, Everything else, basically, uh, for the next few weeks has been canceled. So any other uh, gathering thing that we had, had that we had planned has been canceled. We've canceled the volunteer teams that we had coming in. Uh, we've also uh, postponed uh, the North Dakota trip. So we were supposed to be leaving later, um, later on. That's been postponed. So just to kind of keep you in the loop that way. Uh, the food pantry is still happening. It's still, it's still going to be functioning. Uh, and therefore, we still need some help uh, with that, but we are adjusting it, scaling it back to where it will be essentially a drive-through um, food pantry. So people will not be coming in here. They'll not be going in the other building either, kind of drive-through, stay in their car, fill out a form. We give them, we've, the ladies already, they were up here yesterday, most of the day yesterday, and packed all the, the boxes of, of groceries for everybody. So. George, do we need any extra help for that tomorrow night? Like, what do we need as far as volunteers? If you're normally here, come on, and we'll figure out something to do um, in that. But, yeah, just know it'll look a little different. Uh, we also have a big order coming tomorrow still. Um, so our big order from Gleaners is, what's that? 9 o'clock. So if you are available tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, 
Uh, we promise not to hug you or kiss you on the mouth or anything crazy, but we do need your help uh, moving some groceries around. So if you, what's that? There's a lot of kids available. Uh, yeah, so nine o'clock tomorrow, we will we'll do all that. Um, also, you'll notice just a little bit of change in the way that we're doing communion. Instead of everybody putting their hands and breaking a cracker, we're, we've got that already set, you know, set up for you. Um, so yeah, just know that we're monitoring this. We're keeping up with it. We're not trying to, uh, we're not trying to be unwise or arrogant or uh, dismissive of what's happening. But we are also convinced of the value of gathering personally. Uh, there's a place for online gatherings, and and we might get to that. Uh, but for uh, for the for, for right now, and this is kind of the plan going forward that we're going to gather until until uh, yeah until they say hey no gatherings at all, and then we'll respond accordingly. But as long as we can gather, we're going to gather. But you need to know, and I think you do know this. This is not for like this is not a source of your righteousness. God is not more pleased with you because you're here or displeased with you if you choose to stay home, right? And so for those that are listening at home, we want you to know that as well, is that God's not displeased with you uh, if you're vulnerable or compromised or concerned um, with what's going on, stay home and listen to the thing. Or there's several good churches in our area and around the country, certainly, that are live streaming this morning that you can participate in. There's a lot of ways. So like the church is not shut down. It just looks different for a few weeks, right? So that's the deal. So in the name of that, or with that in mind, it's like, look, we don't want to miss uh, what we're doing here, right? To worship through singing, to worship through praying together and praying for ourselves and our neighbors, right? To worship together through, uh, through opening God's word and looking at it. Worship together through taking communion, worship together through giving, like all the ways that we do that. Right? We don't want to miss that. So I want to pray for us to that end that we would be participants and not spectators. And then we're going to continue to sing and do all the things that we do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the day. Uh, God, that you uh, are not surprised. You are not distant. Uh, you are not unconcerned. You know what's going on. You know what's going on here. You know what's going on around the world. Lord, and we rest in the fact that you know us, that you love us, that you have met our deepest needs, and that you are not shaken. And because you are not shaken, we cannot be shaken. That we can stand there calmly and confidently. And if it gets worse, we can stand there. Lord, we thank you for all the ways that you've taken care of us, all the ways that you've blessed us, all the ways that you've met our needs, in particular our deepest needs. Father, that we can come to you, that you call us sons and daughters, that we're covered with righteousness and adopted into the family. God, help us to live with a posture of joy in the midst of trials. We thank you for Jesus, uh, for the life that comes by his death. We worship because he's worthy. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand as we continue. Seen from the darkness, from the darkness, I caught your name, and into darkness, your mercy came. You called me out, lifted me up. How great is your love! You bore our weakness. You bore our weakness, you took my shame, buried my burdens in fields of grace. You called me out, lifted me up, how great is your love. 
Yeah. 
I'll tell you what, for the people listening at home, if you weren't here, you wouldn't guess we're running a skeleton crew on that last song. That sounded great. It's so good to sing some old hymns. Um, yeah, we want to spend some time uh, praying together today, and we'll pray specifically a certain way. If you, well, just go ahead and just listen along. We're, I'm going to read this from Acts um, 11. I lost my spot. We're, I'm going to read from Acts 11. Um, I'm going to kind of draw a parallel here when we get, we get through this. So if you're following along, it's in verse 19. It says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. 
Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judah. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And so what we see here is in a time of persecution, in a time of famine, the church takes their mission, their, um, their purpose in the kingdom of God even more seriously. And so even though we don't face persecution and famine the way that they did, uh, with what's happening in the country, we face uh, panic and hoarding <laughs> in a way that affects us. And um, not to compare uh, a coronavirus to persecution and a famine, but it's, it's also not nothing. And it's, it's also a time that we have a chance to step into something where everybody's running away. Um, so what we want to do this morning is just have a couple people pray of what does this look like for our church? What does this look like for the global church? What does this look like for the Christian community? How do we, what are the ways that we step into this? What are the ways that we need to be thinking about this? Again, not to make it too serious, but also not to just dismiss it away. Uh, so just a couple people pray that way. I'll start, um, and I'll ask Matt to come up and finish, and we'll transition from prayer time to uh, worship through preaching. So I'll go ahead and start us off, and a couple people just, just pray, if you will. Uh, Heavenly Father, we... Um, we first, we again, we thank you for uh, being able to gather um, on a Sunday. And just as Matt said, just uh, it's so good uh, to be able to get together. It's so important to see each other face to face and to be able to worship uh, your holy name uh, together. And God, um, obviously now our world faces um, a different challenging time in the history of <laughs> In the history of the human race, it's, it's by far not the worst thing that has happened, God, but it's also something that we just don't want to, to overlook. So, God, I pray that right now you would give us, especially right now, the eyes to see the hurting, um, the courage uh, to step in and to help those um, that are affected most by this crisis. So, God, give us supernatural eyes to see. Give us the boldness uh, to act. And God, I pray uh, specifically for the food pantry, uh, something that's uh, close to my heart. God, I just pray, uh, especially those that come, God, are, are the ones that are most affected by this economic downturn, that are affected by this, this panic. God, so I pray, um, I pray for them. I um, pray that you would um, encourage them. God, that you would meet their needs where they are, that you would use us uh, you would use the, the, the volunteers at the pantry to step in and meet their needs. We ask this in Jesus' name. Father, again, I thank you for the day. Uh, I thank you for the chance to come together and to remember and celebrate the gospel. Lord, we, um, we pray for our, uh, for our neighbors. For those among us and around us that are in, uh, that genuinely fear for their health and for their, for their life. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would bring them comfort um, that can only come from you. Lord, use this situation to remind us that we are not in control. To remind us that we live with an illusion of security. That... Um, seat belts and insurance policies and emergency rooms and anything else that we lean on to provide security for us um, aren't much more than an illusion. Lord, but security is found uh, in Christ alone. May that be our song and our story. Lord, I, I pray for, uh, for our um, elected officials on every level, from the city to state to uh, nationally, God, that you would give them wisdom, God, in trying to 
lead a nation, lead a city or state or a nation into uh, and through these days. Lord, pray that you would that you would um, pour out your grace on them. Lord, we pray for those that are um, in the medical field, God, the nurses and doctors that are that are among our own family. Lord, we pray that you would that you would be with them, that you would use them. Uh, in a particular way, in a special way, on the front lines of dealing with this thing. Lord, that they would demonstrate grace and hope and confidence. Lord, that you would give them wisdom and that, that you would use them. Uh, Lord, to, to not just heal bodies, Lord, but to speak truth that heals our souls. Um, God, for the days ahead, help us to walk with, with clarity and wisdom. Um, confidence in knowing that you are in control. Lord, this morning, more than anything, we thank you for Jesus, and we pray in his good name. Amen. All right. Open your Bible real quickly to the book of James. said my intention, our intention for the service is to shorten it down a little bit. We recognize there's kids being in here and just uh, all things together. We want to keep, uh, hold the right things right, but also be, uh, be wise uh, and kind of walking through this. But I think it is important for us to take just a few minutes uh, and to... Um, to transition our worship from singing, uh, which is, is great, right? I mean, there's goodness. I mean, being together and hearing each other sing is worth the trip. And then to pray together and, and to hear each other pray and to pray for each other is worth the trip, right? But then to transition and say, look, let's be reminded uh, of truth in God's Word. And so uh, I was sitting... At my kitchen table last night, as is my normal Saturday night routine, uh, and working through through uh, Acts chapter sixteen, and said we just can't we can't do this right now. Like we need to we need to shift just a little bit. So let's talk for a second about why James. We're in James chapter one. We're gonna look at a few verses if you wanna flip there. But why James? Uh, James is the leader in the church in Jerusalem, and so essentially what we're doing is we're staying in the same story. We're staying in the same story, so we've been, we've been walking through the book of Acts. Acts is, is telling us the story of the spread of the church, starts in Jerusalem, works its way Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, and where we are right now is we're about to hit the second missionary journey, which happens kind of in the late 40s, um, early 50s, you know, right at... 50, 51, something like that. Well, if we, if we go backwards a few years, uh, James is, uh, this is, this is not James' son of Zebedee. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus who writes this. James is a key leader in the church in Jerusalem. And if you remember with me, uh, we, we remember back uh, the, what happened to the church in Jerusalem. Stephen is martyred, right? He's killed. And what happens on the, on the, the backside of that uh, murder, essentially, is this scatter of these believers, right? Persecution ensues. And they're scattered to the wind. Particularly these, these Jewish believers, these Hellenistic Christians, particularly, are scattered. And it's not too long after that that James writes this letter. Some scholars will even date this to AD 40. I mean, so this is way early that James writes this letter to them. So he's writing a letter um, to Christians that are scattered by persecution. They were living, almost certainly living in poverty. Uh, they were displaced from their homes. Uh, and they are looking at staring persecution in the face. It was, uh, there was a pretty systematic persecution that was happening. And so James writes a letter to them. right, To be, to be uh, circulated among these people. Because they were kind of all over the place. He writes this letter of how do you handle hardship. And so it's, it's incredibly valuable for us in these days. And like Dan said, this is, in, in the scheme of things, um, quite small, right? And compared to other hardships that the church has faced through the ages. Um, but it's not nothing, 
Uh, and so as we look at it, and, and hardship for different people on different levels at different, in different seasons. And so it's valuable for us to look at how does the early church deal with hardship and how does James, as the leader of the church in Jerusalem, how does James, what does he, what does he lay out for them? So James chapter 1, let's read it, uh, read it together. It's really, we're going to look at verses 2 through 8 ultimately, but we'll read 2, 3, and 4 and then stop. And this is almost certainly a familiar passage to you. Uh, James is, a, is one of those letters that when, uh, when we want to read something that we understand easily, right? We kind of go to James when you, when you have a hard time and, you know, reading through uh, something else. We all, or a lot, it seems like a lot of Christians run to James because it is so uh, practical. It is so applicable, so here we go. We'll start in verse 2 and read just a little bit and, and kind of talk our way through this. So here we go. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or endurance. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom... Keep going. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. But he's double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Okay, so I want to take just a few minutes and just really simply walk through this text because it speaks directly to where we are. So look what he says. He's talking to brothers. He includes this in the first line. Count it all joy. Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet various trials. You meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy. Right? So we're going to talk about what joy is a little bit and kind of work our way back through this. But count it all joy. Joy is different than happiness. Joy is this deep abiding contentment. Right, that we walk in that is, is undergirded by a whole lot of things we're about to talk through. So he says, count it all joy when you meet various trials. For them, this would have been poverty. It would have been persecution. This would have been displacement. Right? This would have been a distance probably from, uh, from family or loss of jobs. There's a whole sort of things that are going on that they're facing. But this letter very directly, I think, applies to us. So count it all joy when you face uh, trials of various kinds. So, just talking to you, um, to our church, in the last few days, you hear that. Of everybody's kind of facing trials of various kinds. Right? I talked to Will Honey last night. Will works in the medical field, right? In a surgery center. And they're having to make some adjustments of what's going on. And they've basically, you know, have said, hey, there's a really high likelihood you're going to get this. And there's really a high likelihood of that they're going to scale hours way back at the surgery center. And he's out of PTO, right? Or he's close. And so, like, I don't say that to say, oh, let's, like, oh, let's feel sorry for Will as much as say Will's facing a trial of a certain kind, right? It's different than the trial that I'm facing. But you talk to somebody else. I was talking to, to Liz, Miss Liz and Mickey, you know, yesterday. And, like, they're not here this morning because they're in a little bit of a compromised situation, particularly with Mickey, and it is, a, it is a, a different kind of thing than the way I feel about coronavirus. They feel different than us, than me, right? So kind of all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. This looks different for each of our seasons, for each place that we're in. But count it joy. Count it all joy. It's crazy to me. It's intriguing to me of like... Of the way that he lays this out, and the argument that he makes. So count it all joy. So why, why would we count it all joy? Why are we joyful about the trial that we're walking through? Why are we joyful about all the different facets of the way that this virus is affecting life, is affecting churches, is affecting business, is going to affect economy, is affecting things on a global scale? Why is that joyful for the believers that are walking through this? Why is that joyful? Count it joy. Look what he says. Go straight to the text. Verse 3. For you know, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. 
or endurance. For you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Okay, here's a couple of things here. It's okay to admit that this tests our faith. Right? It's okay to admit that. He, I mean, it's, it's, James acknowledges it. it's okay. It's okay. For you count it joy because you know that these things, these trials that stretch your faith, that strain your faith, right? That we know that these things, that these trials, they produce something. They produce an endurance. They produce a steadfastness, a steadiness. Right? And why is that important? Why is it important that we have endurance and steadfastness? Why is that important? Well... Keep reading. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Right? So you can count it joy when we face trials of various kinds because we know that the testing of our faith produces endurance. And what does endurance do? Endurance makes us more whole. It makes us more complete. It rounds us out because if we have faith and have no endurance, we're tossed back and forth like a wave, right? Back and forth with the wind. If, you don't have, if you're not steady, if you don't have endurance, if you're not tough to put one foot in front of the other on a hard day, right? Then you are an immature believer. And that's okay. We've all been there. But what we're saying is, what James is saying is that Count it joy, brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. Because trials produce endurance. And endurance makes you whole. Right? Endurance is part of the restoration of the broken. Right? Of what's being restored. What's being restored is that you are, that you are tough. That you are steady. That you do have endurance. And it makes us reflect the image of God better. Okay, so we see that. But look, we talk about, like, this is one of those things that's easy to talk about. Count it joy when you face trials of various kinds because you know it produces endurance, and endurance has its result. See, God redeems the trial to make you more whole. And here's the, here's the thrust, is that we can live uh, with a posture of joy even in or probably better, especially in a hard season. We can live with a posture of joy that way. Consider it joy when you face trials because trials produce endurance and endurance makes you whole. Endurance makes you more complete. Endurance rounds you out. You've got to have these things. So we can see that. We live with a posture of joy even in or especially in the midst of hard seasons. We do that like we can have joy in the midst of that because God knows us. God knows us. He's met our deepest needs. He is for you and He is with you. Right now, this is written to believers, and this is this is where we take hope in. And the, the invitation for the unbelievers to join us in this, right? Join us in this stuff. So we, we take heart in saying that God knows this, but but this is where the rubber meets the road, is going, okay, I hear you, I hear what James is saying, right? To have Right. Consider it joy when you face trials of various kinds. And if we're honest, we look at these kind of trials. It's the thought, it's the anxiety that it produces, you know, and, and that's the trial. But what about when the trial is harder? Right? What about when the trial is harder? When it, when it, what if when it goes from, hey, we can't get toilet paper to the loss of a child? The loss of a loved one, your husband or your wife. Right? What about that kind of trial? What about the kind of trial where, like with Stephen, where they watch Stephen be stoned and he's, he's killed by hitting him. Blunt force trauma to the head with stone. How do you consider that joy? Right? Because that's, that's what James is talking about. Consider it joy when you face trials, real trials that really test your faith. Consider it joy because that produces endurance and endurance makes you whole. And you go, I'm not sure I want to be whole. Right? I'm not sure I want that. I'm not sure it's worth it. If we're honest, right? I say that. I'd walk through that. Ooh, let me not knock over the cone. Sorry, Chris. Um, so what does it take to do that? How do you actually do this? Well, keep reading. 
Look, James goes right into it. So what does it take to count it joy in the midst of trials? It takes wisdom. It takes wisdom. And look, look at what he says. If any of you lacks wisdom, if you don't have the wisdom that it takes to count it joy in the midst of trials, if you don't have that, here's how you get it. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Okay, that's big. That's big. Right? So who's the source of wisdom? God is the source of wisdom. Wisdom doesn't just come with age. Wisdom doesn't just come with experience. That's some of it, right? But I know some some young men and women that are very wise, and I, I know some old men and women that are not. Right? Wisdom ultimately comes from God. And so if we lack the wisdom that it takes to have joy in the midst of the trial, we ask God. But look how he says to ask. Let him ask God who gives generously to all. God gives it to us. And without reproach, without reproach, right, of saying if you need need this, God will give it to you and he won't shame you for asking for it. He will give it to you without reproach. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Okay, here's what that means, right? What it looks like to ask while you're being double-minded is a prayer like this. God, if there is a God, the Bible says I'm supposed to ask you for wisdom, so give me some wisdom. I need wisdom because this stinks right now what I'm walking through. So God, or whatever's out there, Bring it on. Right? It's this, it's double-minded. It's a prayer to God that's not really a prayer to God. Right? A prayer to God that's flippant and it's, that's totally disconnected from that. Right? A prayer that asking faith is effective. And later in the book of James, he'll say, he's talking about prayer, he's talking about things that are happening in their midst, and he says, you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask with the wrong motives. You ask for the wrong thing. But when we come to God, this is a prayer that God answers. This is a prayer that God answers. When we come to God in the midst of trials and we say, God, I'm trying. I'm trying to have joy in the midst of this. I'm trying to walk with a posture of joy and I cannot. I can't. I'm struggling here. God, give me the wisdom to see this clearly. Give me the wisdom to walk in joy. Give me the wisdom to be to be tough and steady, to have endurance. God, give me that. Lord, I need your wisdom. And then you walk on, trusting that God does give you the wisdom. God answers that prayer. I've seen it over and over again. God answers that prayer. So look, here's, I mean, here's the deal. This text is a really simple text with a really simple walkthrough. This text, this principle, this reality, this informs our prayers. And it helps us put one foot in front of the other. Right? When we, when we don't know what to do, we pray for wisdom. We pray for joy. Right? We, pay, we pray for endurance. We pray for steadfastness. Right? And we understand how these things fit together. And then, on a hard day, we put one foot in front of the other and we live with a posture of joy. We live with a posture of joy. Look. Here's the deal. This is a letter written to believers that are struggling. And big picture, what James is saying is that authentic faith changes the way that you think. It changes the way that you think. Look at these words in the text. Consider it all joy. Where is joy? Where does that reside? It's in your head. That's your, it's the way you think. It's the way you carry yourself, right? It's not a, it's not a physical activity you do. Consider it joy when you face trials of various kinds. For you know in your head, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. It produces steadfastness, right? So we see that. And he goes on, he goes on through. He goes on through. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, where does wisdom reside? In your head, right? 
Consider it joy when you face trials of various kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And if you don't understand, if you don't have wisdom, if you don't have this knowledge with feet, right? That's what wisdom is. It's knowledge that like makes its way through our body. It, like, it, it shows up in the way that we walk. If you don't have wisdom, you ask God. But how do you ask? You don't ask as a double-minded man. You ask with faith. Faith resides in our head. What James is saying is that authentic faith changes the way that you think. It changes the way that you think. And the way that you think affects the way that you walk through a hard day. It affects the way that you navigate a pandemic of this kind of proportion that we find ourselves in the middle of that none of us have really been in the middle of before. Right? It affects the way that we walk through that. And so here's the deal, and I'm done. We, we can, and really we should be, marked by wisdom and steadiness and joy as we navigate these days. We ought to be marked by wisdom and steadiness and joy. Markers for the believers in the community. Right? In the things that we post, in the things that we say, in the way that we buy groceries, in the way that we interact with each other, in the way that we love our neighbors, in the way that we serve our community, we ought to be marked by wisdom, steadiness, and joy. Ought to be markers there. Right? That we, as we walk through this, we don't panic. We, we realize, we walk in the reality that God is 100% in control, that we don't Fear death. This is not the worst thing that can happen to us is we can die because our sins have been paid for and that death has lost, lost its sting and that we joyfully walk on through hard days and we leverage our lives for the sake of our king. That doesn't change when things get inconvenient. It doesn't change when things get hard. It doesn't change when things get scary. Right? That we have wisdom. Of all people in the world, we ought to have wisdom. Right? We ought to be the, the wise ones that navigate our way through it. We ought to be the joyful ones that navigate through it. The steady ones that navigate through it. And we help each other, right? We help each other recognizing like in our own, in our own little families, but then in our family of faith, there's, there's those among us that are more vulnerable. There's those among us that are more prone to, to panic. There's those among us that are more prone to be steady. There's those among us that, like, that we all struggle in different ways, but when we come together that way, that's where this... The gathering of the body is a beautiful thing because it helps us to walk on in wisdom and steadiness and in joy. So that's what we do. That's what we do today. That's what we'll do tomorrow. That's what we'll keep doing. Right? And they know, know this, is that we are here for you. We are here for each other. That you are not alone. That you're not alone. And so if you need to talk or to pray or somebody to go get groceries for you because you don't want to go into that kind of setting or whatever it might be in your realm, you need somebody to help, you know, in through a particular hardship with a season. That's where the church leans in and actually walks in being the church to each other. That's where we are. It's good. It's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. So look, here's a couple of things that we want to do. A couple of things that we want to do. When we respond, we come to God's word, we come together. A few things that we always want to do. We want to stop and pray. We want to stop and pray. We want to ask God, maybe you're here and you're saying, dude, I need that. <laughs> I need that. I haven't been joyful in the midst of the trial and I need to be. Maybe it's a recognition that you don't have wisdom and you need it. Maybe it's a recognition that somebody around you doesn't have that. Not proximity-wise around you, but maybe your neighbor, maybe this is good news to share with your neighbor. Maybe this is just an encouragement to somebody that's not able to be here this morning for whatever reason, right? Maybe it's a lean into each other's lives. We want to take a minute to pray that way, and then we want to, we want to remember, right? So uh, we want to remember the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus that made a way for us to live, made a way for us family together, made a way for us uh, to relate to God as Father, all the things that we rejoice in this morning, right? And so the way that we do that, the way that we're going to do that uh, today is really the same that we always do. We've got it set up a little different than you, but we've got wine and juice. So if you're here with us as a guest particularly, here's how this works, is that we've got this on both tables uh, here in just a second. We want you to, if you want to participate in this, you get up, you come down front, you grab a cup of wine, grab a cup of bread, uh, take it back to your seat. And you pray something like this. 
God, thank you for meeting my deepest need. Help me to remember. Help me to remember that you protect us, you provide for us, you have met our needs, and you call me son or daughter. Not because I'm cute, not because I just asked, but because Jesus died in my place. It's a great thing to remember and an act of worship. And what we do in taking this meal together is that we proclaim his death until he comes. Another good thing to do, right? So, look, this meal, we talk about this all the time. This, this, uh, if you're here as a believer, faith in Christ as king, this is for you. This is a great rhythm of remembrance. If you're here as like, dude, I'm just checking this thing out or I'm just not quite there. Like, this is not what you need. It's not what you need. It's like the reality of what these things symbolize is what you need. You don't need the symbol. You need the reality, right? You need effectively the body and blood of Christ, his death and the atonement that comes by his death. That's what you need applied to you. And you can have that this morning. It's, it's a, a mustard seed of faith. It's what it takes. Faith and repentance and asking God to forgive your sins. Asking God to apply that atonement to you. Believing that he will. And that's what it takes. That's what it takes. So look, I'm going to pray for us. We're going to respond together. If you want to talk or pray, I'll be hanging out at the back um, for a minute. And then we'll respond together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and for the way you teach us through it for the comfort that it brings, the conviction that it brings. Lord, help us to walk um, faithfully in steadiness and in wisdom and in joy. God, on days, uh, days that are harder than others, Lord, help us to put one foot in front of the other. Because we know, we know that you redeem the trial for the sake of our sanctification, for the sake of our own restoration, God, and that, you, that you're using it, that it's not wasted. Help us to be joyful and to live with a posture of joy. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We pray in his good name. Amen. Figured in this time as we continue to respond and also to just recognize the time, um, I figured we would uh, we'd finish out today by going back, switch it up on you, John, sorry, uh, go back to It Is Well and just sing this chorus of It Is Well again a couple times together just so that we walk out of these doors knowing, Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. Haste that day. Haste the day when we know, no matter what the trial is, when we can see you face to face and know that's why. Because it produced in us an endurance and a steadfastness that showed us the love of God in Jesus. So let's see this together as we end our time today. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Sing that again. It is well, it is well with my soul. celebration we sing the trump
more time. It is well. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Amen. Amen. Church, if you go this week, know that through the endurance of trials, steadfastness and joy will come. You guys are dismissed. Have a great week.